In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good evening. Good evening. Man, I feel like I need to repent after Nicole got up here or something. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. Not really. <laughs> that was, no, it is true. We need to be joyful all the time. We need to find joy even when we don't feel like finding joy. We need to find joy. We need to be thankful even when we don't feel like being thankful. Well, I'm just being real. No, you're being disobedient and rebellious. We need to be thankful. We need to find joy because he told us to always be thankful. Always. So in other words, let me ask you this. If God, in all his wisdom and all his, all his abundance of who he is, told you to always be thankful, is there something to always be thankful for, whether or not you can feel it or not? Yes. There you go. So there's always something to be thankful for whether or not you see it or whether or not you feel it. Too many people live by feelings, live by emotions. They live by sight and not by faith. We're called to live by faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Free stuff, free message right on the beginning. Praise God. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. So we have been in 1 John and uh, we've been here for quite a while. We've just been going, uh, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> been here for a little bit, not too long, right, holy people, <laughs> all right, so we're learning, we're growing, and uh, in First John, uh, we, you know, it's good to go every now and then to go line by line, reading in context, you know, one of the things we discussed last week was how the Lord wants us, apparently it's important for us to be able to discern between somebody who's operating in godliness, operating in love, and somebody who's not. It's important. This is the fourth chapter that the Lord, through John, has brought up. You need to know what is godly and what's not. Why? Because he doesn't want us led astray. And going back to the very first of the book, he says this. He says, I want you to know and experience God. Now, I'm paraphrasing. I want you to know and experience God like we did. Because we experienced him in a very real way. And so everything he writes in that book, I'm telling you this, so that you will experience God the same way. And so where we're at tonight is 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Uh, and these, I have to say that 1 John chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 are some of my absolute favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Uh, because it talks about who our God is. Uh, and it gives us some huge keys in there. And uh, so, we're not going to go through many scriptures tonight. I think I have uh, notes, and yeah, till verse 11. Uh, but it'll, uh, we're going to talk about what is love. You know, what is it? And so let's just look there. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, one of the biggest keys that comes out of those two scriptures is that those last three words. God is love. Uh, you, can, you could write it like this. God equals love. Love equals God. Okay? These things mean the same. This is who God is. This is his character. This is his nature. If you are outside of love, you are outside of God. Okay? If you're outside of love, you're outside of God. Going back, beloved, let us love one another. So this is a commandment from God to you. Again, this is not only a commandment, but this is John telling us how to live in the reality of an experience with God. So he's telling you how to live that way, and what's that way that he's telling you right here? Let us love one another. We need to operate in this love, for love is from God. All right, it comes from God. So in other words, if it doesn't come from God, can it, can it be love? No, okay? And everyone who loves is born of God, and knows God. 
Now, how many times does it say love in that verse? One, two, three. And in the next one, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So there in two verses, we have the word love five times. Don't you think that it would behoove us to figure out what love actually is? You know, And this is tonight one of the things that we'll talk about. Some of you have heard this before. We're going to define love. It would be very important and, and, the, and to figure out what the proper definition of love is. It would be very important to know that. Because we have in our society a really messed up, screwed up view of love you know most people view love as the way i feel when that special person comes into my life or walks into the room and then whenever those feelings remember we just talked about at the end you remember a little free message at the beginning right too many people are moved by feelings right i wasn't planning on that but here's the thing too many people are moved and live by those feelings instead of living by God and living by love. And so what happens is whenever those feelings go away, what does somebody tell the other person? Well, we just fell out of love. I just don't, I just don't love them anymore. No, you probably never did. That, that, that probably, probably never actually were moving in love. More than likely. You know, not saying that in here a lot of people know about love, so that could be different, but I'm talking about in a general sense in the world. And so what happens is, I, and when I'm doing uh, marriage counseling, uh, one of the things I bring up, and I date myself a little bit, but it just, it'll help you remember it is, uh, Janet Jackson had a song that said, What Have You Done For Me Lately, right? What have you done for me lately? Does that help? So... <laughs> Some people know it. <laughs> Some people know it. There you go. And see, that is what everybody moves and thinks love is. What have you done for me lately? And, and let me explain that. Because, well, I'm just not trying to get, you know, I'm just, when I say I love somebody, it's not just everything I'm trying to get. Well, if it's those warm and fuzzies, then you're trying to get the warm and fuzzies. You know, you know, when that, guys, when that lady walks in the door that you love, quote unquote, or ladies, when that man walks in the door that you love, and you go, oh, and you just feel all those warm and fuzzies and everything, what's happening? You, you are basing your love off of what you feel. You're basing your love off of what they have done for you. And all of a sudden, when those warm and fuzzies are, you're just not attracted anymore because you've, you know, some, been there, done that, all of a sudden, guess what? You say, I'm, I'm out of love. So we need to know what love is. We need to really understand what love is, don't we? Because it's not the same thing with God. When it says, God so loved the world... That's a totally different kind of love. Now, the love that I just described and what have you done for me lately, that's what in the Greek, it's an eros-type love, all right? And that's where we get the word erotic, and that's, that's because we are enticed by that person, okay? And there is, we call that and say that it's love, but it's not the same as what God says when he says love someone. Totally different thing. There's also a brotherly love, a phileo love, okay? And that's a different kind of love. This love here that it's talking about is an agape love. This is who God is. When it says God is love, it's saying God is agape love. And when it says you need to love and love one another, I'm commanding you, it's telling you that you need to agape love the other person. So we need to know what that is. It's the same kind of love that needs to be in a marriage or in a relationship because without that, it isn't going to work. Because all the other loves, they tend to go away and they're based off of feelings. But there's a love that remains. And remember, we've been talking all through this, love is a choice. Love has a cost. And when you love, you are choosing to pay the cost. You're choosing to pay. And when you're in a marriage and you're, you're in a relationship, you are choosing to love on that person, guess what? When they might not be too lovable. Yeah. 
You're choosing to love on them unconditionally. Let's turn to what is love. Number one, I'm going to give you just the two very general uh, ideas of what love is. Number one, love is unconditional giving. Okay, John 3.16. This is our chief example of that. Love is unconditional giving. That means, now listen to this, and, and the marriage is the best thing that I can that I can give you an example of right away that makes it very relatable to us. Uh, let's say that Nicole comes in one day and she's just had a bad day and, and she just jumps all over my case because I forgot to take out the trash or something, right? Um, which never happens. I'm not going to tell you which one of those never happens. So, <laughs> Alright, so <laughs> anyway, let's say that she walks in and she jumps all over my case, right? Now, because she jumps all over my case, does that make me want to love her? Does that make me want to give to her? No. Does that mean that I've... Now, where would my emotions and my what have you done for me lately be? It would be not right there. <laughs> it would be... It was a long time ago, the last time you did something, or last time I remember. It wouldn't be right then. So is that going to help me right there? What's going to help me right there is a choice. That no matter what she does, this is what we should be saying when we say I do. No matter what she does or how she treats me, I am going to choose to love her. It's a choice. I'm going to choose to love her. And this is huge. And look at this in John 3.16. Now, I want, to, I want to remind you as we read this that in Romans chapter 5 it says when you were sinners, helpless, and enemies of God is when He sent His Son. And it says right here, here's the chief example of love. For God so loved the world that He gave. But did he give when we were all just hunky-dory with God? No, we were enemies. We could not help ourselves. We were sinners. That's when he gave. It wasn't when we were doing everything right. It's when we were doing everything wrong. It, love is unconditional giving. Now this makes it very interesting when somebody tells you off at work or whatever. That makes it very interesting because all of a sudden you have a responsibility according to God to love them. Love one another. Well, they ticked me off, Pastor Brian, and I have a right to tell them off because they were wrong in the first place. You might have an earthly right to tell them off, but you do not have a godly heavenly right. You have a godly heavenly right to forgive them like God forgave you. And that means letting it go. And here's what that means. Like it never happened. Well, you're asking me to just forget everything they've always done. Right. Exactly. Congratulations. You're welcome to Heaven 201. Now you're here. <laughs> Love is unconditional giving. Now here's the thing. What happens, what happens when a couple... Not just a couple, but let me use it in the marriage uh, situation again. What happens when a co couple is determined and has made the choice that I will do nothing but give unconditionally to each other? That means no matter when she messes up, I'm going to still love her. No matter when I mess up, she's going to still love me. I need love. Y'all catch up in that in a minute. I need it really bad. Because <laughs> I can mess up a lot. We need love. Let, let me, we need people that will love on us and God needs people that will love on others. Because you know what? You're going to mess up. You know, go out to the restaurant and the waitress takes too long to bring you your drink. And we start to flip out. Or, how, or, or, my gosh, don't let it be medium instead of medium rare. Oh, my goodness. Please. And then, first of all, the waitress didn't do that. 
but we treated her like or him like they did. Right? They and so what'll happen is all of a sudden, how dare they mess up my order? I pay good money to come here and eat. I deserve better food and treatment than this. My God, you have never messed up and you're going to let that ruin your day. Really? Sounds real loving, right? People are going to mess up. Here's the great thing about it when people mess up. Here's the awesome, awesome thing when people mess up. It opens up the door for you to inject God, inject love into their lives. You now have a legal right to bring God into it and you never have to say His name. All you have to do is love on them. And then they'll remember, you know what? They forgave me. You know, I know that I gave them horrible service tonight, yet they forgave me. They even tipped me better than normal and they were saying their prayer at the beginning of the service, at the beginning of the meal. What did you just do to that person? You just ministered to them better than anybody else. But see, when we're so self-centered and out of love, what we, who are we looking out for? We're just looking out for ourselves. We don't have God on our mind. We don't have that person on our mind. And the, one of the greatest opportunities you can have to actually help somebody in their life reconnect to God slipped out of your fingers because of that selfishness. Love is unconditional giving. It gives unconditionally. You know, I, I've had times in the church, Nicole can tell you about it, we, we've definitely had times where people did stuff and they just did stuff wrong to us. You know, there was one particular set of events and they did stuff wrong, this, this particular group, they did stuff wrong, they did stuff wrong, they did stuff wrong, they kept on doing stuff wrong and it got to the point actually where the leaders of the church were mad at me because I was letting them, you know, basically trample on us. But the problem with that was God had not told me to just completely write them off. He kept, well, here's what he kept telling me. Love is unconditional giving. That means you're forgiving and acting like it never happened. And here's the thing. If I go out there and I just try to put my foot down, who then is my protector? Me. Well, my protection only goes so far. My strength, my ability, it only goes so far. And then there's a cap on it. But God, but God, when I let Him be God by moving in love, He's my protector. If He needs to do something about it, He'll do something about it. He will protect His own. He's in covenant with me. He's not going to let it go too far. If I try to step in there and put my foot down, I'm determining how far I can go. This is it. I can't take no more. But God knows exactly how far I can go, and He knows what He's trying to do. I have to trust Him no matter what I can see. I have to trust Him and move in love. See, a lot of times when we put our foot down, what we're showing is, I don't trust God to take care of the situation. I don't trust Him. Love is unconditional giving no matter how many times somebody does something. Now, that doesn't mean that God's going to tell you we're going to get into the second part of love. That doesn't mean that God's going to tell you to go back to that person over and over and over and over and over again. He's not going to tell you to go you know, and walk through this this a pit of vicious people over and over and over again. He's generally not going to tell you to do that. They've had their chance, and now they're, you know, he says this. He says, shake the dust off your feet. So this, he's not going to leave you in there forever just getting beat up. But he is going to say, will you go for me? You see, somebody has already died for God. He's not asking you to do it again, but he is asking you to be willing to give up my whole life for him. That doesn't mean he actually wants you to. It means, is your heart there? And when your heart gets to that place where you're actually willing to go die for him, he can actually empower you to live. That's a strong statement. I hope somebody rewinds that. Let's turn to... John chapter 5, verse 19, the Gospel of John. Love is unconditional giving 
But love is also keeping the Lord's commands. And here's the thing. Well, I know people and they just give and 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 give. And they just seem so nice and they just give to charity all the time. They're always feeding the poor and doing all this. You know, they must be godly. Not necessarily. Because love follows the Lord's leadings. In, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, I think it is, it says, love, he, it says this, it says, even if you give your life to be burned, but have not love, it means nothing. In other words, what they're saying is, they give of themselves, they give and give and give and give and give, but did they ever even ask God or seek God on what to do, how to do? That's not love. That's generally what that is, is somebody trying to pay to be righteous. And they generally have a guilty conscience, and the devil, the devil says, hey, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, and they're trying to get rid of that guilty conscience by loading up the, the scales of justice by paying so much that it outweighs what they've done wrong. A lot of times that's what's happening. They're just trying to do that. Or they feel guilty for having too much money. The devil plays all kinds of mind games with people. It's just amazing what he does. But here's the thing. Love is unconditional giving, and also love follows the Lord's commands. Let's look at this, John uh, chapter 5, verse 19. Here's the thing. Jesus was our example of perfect love. Now, what did he do? Was he not our example of perfect love? Yes. So what did Jesus do? We need to follow his example. He, first of all, did, he, did Jesus give unconditionally? Let, let me ask you this. Did the man and the flesh of Jesus want to go to the cross and die? No, he did not. No. He's in the garden saying, hey, he's praying. Lord, let this thing pass from me. But I'll do whatever you say do. He gave no matter what. He gave to humankind when we weren't worth giving to. Unconditional giving. But he also, what set it apart as love in that giving, not just giving all by itself, what set it apart was he gave at the command of God. Verse 19, chapter 5 of book of John says this, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Now, let me just throw this in there. If Jesus could do nothing of himself, should you be doing anything by yourself? Man, if he needed to only do what he saw, we definitely need to seek the Lord, hear from him, and only do those things. Only be led by him. The Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. So in other words, what did perfect love do? Perfect love only did what He saw the Father do. Whatever commands came down from heaven, from the Father, that's what perfect love does. Let's look at now, uh, chapter 8 and verse 28. He says this, Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 28. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative. Now, just say this with me. Say, I do nothing... Of my own initiative. Just say it one more time. And then when we say it, just say, you know what, this is a precedent for my life from here on out. I do nothing of my own initiative. Amen. But I speak these things as the Father taught me. This is our perfect example of love. And He does nothing of His own initiative. So here's the question. How many things are we doing of our own initiative and not being led by God? 
I challenge you to start asking yourself in, that, in your life, what things are we doing and we never even thought about asking God? I know when the Lord really first started bringing this to me, I, I, you would, I wanted to say that, oh, I, I do a lot of stuff just for God. But as I really got to examining that, it's like this is all of, of my life to God and that's how much I was actually giving him. And, and, and then I was really embarrassed because I was like, man, I'm not checking with God on anything. Anything. And then I got to the place where I was trying to ask him everything, but it was almost legalistic, and, the, and God just said this. It was like, I was like, I couldn't, I don't know what to do. You know, I was sitting there like that. What do we do now? You know, and I was almost getting stagnant at times because I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything because I hadn't heard it yet. And, and the Lord released me from that uh, kind of legalism to flow with God. And here's the best way to explain it quickly. There's, we'll be teaching about leading before too long. But here's the best way to explain it quickly. Be on the move in the direction that God's told you to go. But always, always have your heart and your ears open for the breath of the Holy Spirit to nudge you to the left or to the right. And when you feel that nudge, jump at it. Don't, don't waste time. Don't sit there and then go into logic. And when you feel that nudge, you go with that. Okay? Now, so that's a, that's a very important thing to living kind of an everyday life being led by the Spirit of God. You know, the other day, uh, I, was, I was somewhere, I don't even remember the exact example, but I remember the kind of the Holy Spirit highlighted that moment for me. The Lord asked me to do something. I think he asked me to give something, and it was not something that I necessarily wanted to give. But then, I, then uh, inside of me, uh, the Holy Spirit said, this is me asking you. And, and I went, oh, I'm giving. I'm giving. Why? Because that's unconditional giving at the command of God. So you want to be ready at any moment. I wasn't planning that. I wasn't thinking about that. I didn't have a budget for it. I just know that the Holy Spirit said to give. And so you're ready to go. I don't care. doesn't matter what logic says. We're allowing ourselves to be led. I only see what I... I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. I don't do anything by my own initiative, but only what the Father says. So he says this. He says, I do nothing of my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. So we see the example in Christ that love is unconditional giving and love is keeping the Lord's commands. Now in John 14, 15, he says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love is keeping the Lord's commands. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, this is very, very important. Because there's a lot of people that think they're moving in love, and they ain't. They're not. They're not seeking the Lord. They're not hearing from God. They don't even know a lot of the Scripture. They're just going through life based off of what their dad and their mom taught them, living in fear, living in, living in uh, the entangled in the world's ways and systems, and they're not checking up with God on a regular basis. Not Jesus is not their Lord. He's just their ticket. They're not loving on God because they're not keeping His commands. They're not, they're not seeking Him. We've got to be the kind of people, and this is what John's saying. He's saying, if you want to experience God like, like I experience God, love one another, get in love. He's saying, look, this is a key. This is important stuff. Don't just act like it. Actually do it. Hear from God and then be obedient. No matter what your flesh wants to do, no matter what the world thinks, no matter what logic necessarily tells you to do. Logic, a lot of our logic, you can build and grow logic based off of God. That's called mind renewal. But when you first come into the kingdom of God, a lot of your logic is not based off of that. Now I know recently we've talked a lot about not moving by pressure. So in this church, a lot of our heavenly logic that we grew of recently was no, that's pressure. I'm not to be moved by that. I think Deb said that to me the other day. Uh, I think she said, no, I recognized it as pressure, and I'm not to be moved by that. I know that. 
right? And so we have grown and renewed our mind to a logic based off of God, based off of the love of God, because we talked about that a good bit uh, starting about a year ago, and, and she got that point, Stephen got that point, Barry got several of us really grabbed a hold of that point. Well, that's a, that's a heavenly logic. But the majority of logic that we have, especially when we first come into the kingdom, is based off of the world. And the world's messed up, according to the Word. It, uh, anybody that thinks the, the world isn't messed up, according to the Word, needs to read the Word. But that's all I'm going to say about that. So, it, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We need to not necessarily give ourselves to the logic of the world, or even the logic that we're probably uh, more tuned into. Now, as you grow in God, your logic, because of mind renewal, starts to change. You can trust that logic a little bit better, but it always needs to be based off of the truth of the Word of God. So, let's look here. If you continue in John 14, it says this in verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Again, keeps my commandments. That's the one who loves me. So love is unconditional giving. Love is keeping the commands of God. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Man, I want to have Jesus disclose himself. I want him to share with me uh, the things of heaven, the things of God, the power, the love. Doesn't this sound like he will become real to you? Isn't that what John said? He was very real to us. We've experienced him. Here's how you do it. Walk in love. Practice love. This same point. Here's your second witness right here. Verse 23. Go down uh, 23. Uh, Jesus answered said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He will keep my word. You know, the wise man, you know, the one built his house on the rock, Right? He heard the word, the one who was foolish heard the word, but he didn't keep it. The wise man whose house was built on the rock and didn't fall, he heard the word and kept it. You know, you know the scripture that says the truth will set you free. Well, will the truth set you free? If you continue in his word, if you keep his commandments. If you the truth by itself, it doesn't set you free. But the truth combined with keeping in his word, you keep in his word, you'll know the real truth and the real truth will set you free. Keeping his commandments so huge, he says it over and over again. He who, verse 24, or, or excuse me, if, you, if anyone loves me, verse 23, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our abode with him. Man, that just sounds awesome. God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are going to come and, and abide with me. And that doesn't mean you know, just in my private time. He's abiding with me. He's walking with me. If I keep his word. If I move in love. He who does not love does not keep my words. We've got to keep the... Let me, let me throw this out here. This, this has been coming back to me over and over again over the last couple of weeks. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This is a commandment of God. And we've got to keep it holy. You know, that day is to be given to God the whole day, not just part of it. Are we really keeping that? Are we really keeping his word there? Not really. Not really. And so are we actually walking in that love? I can tell you there was a period of time where I was working so hard. I was giving my body to be burned. I was trying to work hard. You know, like the Bible tells us to work hard and be diligent and everything. I was trying to do that. And on Sundays, I had just, I was in a, I was working, trying to catch up, trying to keep up, trying to do all this stuff, and I just got so burned out where all of a sudden I just could not go any further. 
I personally believe I was close to death, not far from burning completely out. Even though I thought I was doing the right thing, I was giving my body to be burned outside of the command of God. And on Sundays, I was trying to catch up. That was my catch-up day, do everything that I couldn't do throughout the week. And so we'd go to church, and on Sunday afternoon, I'd try to catch up. And at one point, I'm just seeking the Lord because I'm like, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I got down to where I could only work about two to three days a week, and then I was completely burnt. I couldn't think. I couldn't, I couldn't process stuff. I was just burnt. And all of a sudden, I sought the Lord on it. You know, if you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all of your heart. And I really wanted to hear from God. And the Lord said, he said, why are you working on Sunday? I was like, because I, I got to catch up. He said, what you're saying by doing that is that you don't trust me to multiply your time the rest of the week. You're saying you don't believe me. You don't believe that you can do everything you need to do, and so you're not giving me that day because you don't believe that you have enough time. You don't trust me to be your source. You're trying to be your source. And that's why you're worn out, because you're doing it outside of my way. If I needed to rest, this is God talking to me, if I needed to rest, you need to rest. Why do you think you don't need to rest when I myself needed to rest? So, I felt great then, you know. And uh, anyway, but I started doing that. And honestly, going into it, logic side of me was going, this is stupid. If I don't have enough time with Sunday, how am I going to have enough time without Sunday? It sounds like tithing and giving. It's like, if I don't have enough budget before I tithe, how am I going to have enough when I tithe? Well, and it felt really dumb. And the logic side of it just really didn't match up. But when you do the things of God, oh, how he will come through and make himself and show himself strong on your behalf. Because that's who he is. And his word's true. It's real. I started giving him Sunday as best as I could. What I, what I thought was right. I started giving him that one day a week. And, and, and some people's schedules are different and weird. Listen, it, it, God doesn't care. If it's actually on Sunday, just one day a week, you need to rest and give it to God, okay? All right, sorry. I probably just made somebody mad. But anyway, um, we'll get you delivered. Amen. Praise God. So here, here's the thing. You need to give it to God. You need to give that day. If we love him, we keep his commandments. So what happened? I went through a complete recovery. Came out of it within just a few weeks and a few months. I was back up to full speed, full steam ahead. And honestly, I didn't think, I, I thought it would take years because I had gotten so far down. I, I think I remember telling Nicole, I think it, it may take me a year and a half to come out of this. I think she, she said something like, that ain't trusting God. And I was like, I can't tell you what I was thinking. So anyway, <laughs> all right. Verse 24, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So here's Jesus telling you that you need to do only what you hear and see the Father doing. And right in the middle of that, he's still telling you right now, even what I'm saying right now is only what the Father's saying. What I'm telling you right now is what the Father's saying. The message translation says that last verse in this, not loving me means not keeping my words. It's just really strong and plain. Is it sit, are you starting to get it on the inside of you? Not loving me means you're not keeping my words. How many people, how many people are really not keeping it? It's probably a lot. But we want to be the people that love on him a lot. That means we're going, we are going to, in Jesus' name, this church, this body, we're going to start loving on him. We're going to start keeping his words all the time. We're going to seek him, we're going to hear from him, and we're going to do because he's empowered us to love. Amen? Amen. Let's turn to John 15 now, verse 10. He says this, If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 
I need to abide in His love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken... Now, you understand that we're not reading from one gospel than reading the same scripture in another gospel. These are all in John. This is how many times Jesus is saying it. Over and over and over again. Is it important? Yes. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Do you, do you realize that the Holy Spirit had to give John, the writer of this John and the writer of 1 John, a little bit of revelation to have him write this thing down this many times, the writer of this book? Do you also realize that it's that John they could not kill? That's the John. There's a revelation here. There's something that we need to get. There's, there's something that we need to experience in God. John got it. He's trying to get us to get it. We need to, we need to operate and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Man, this reminds me exactly of what John says in the beginning of 1 John that says, we're telling you these things so that you can experience God like this. I wonder where he got that from. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Just as I've loved you. In other words, now we're getting into, all right, what did I do for you? I gave myself. They didn't even know the fullness of his love yet. But now we do. He gave himself when we didn't deserve it. He did it unconditionally. And he did it at the Father's command. And now he says this, the way that I loved you, I want you to love others. This is my commandment. If you love me, keep 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 my commandment. Here's my commandment. Here it is that you love one another just as I have loved you. The world is crying out for Jesus to love on them and the way that Jesus loves on them is through you. The world's hungering and craving they want to know the love of God, folks. They want to know. It goes on. Next time we're in 1 John in a couple weeks, because next Wednesday is Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we won't have a maturity meeting next Wednesday night. But when we get into it in a couple weeks after that, we're going to see that the picture, is, he says, no one has seen God. No man has seen God. But it goes on to basically say, but when you move in love, I am perfected in you. In other words, they're seeing me through you. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Oh, man. Jesus is about to go to the cross and lay down his life for his friends. And he's to become the first fruits of many brethren. The first of many brethren. And here's what's supposed to happen right then. At that point when he sows himself into the ground, he is the firstborn of many brethren. The first fruits of a new creation created in God. Created with the ability to love one another. And so all of a sudden he says, now I don't just have one of me roaming this earth, I've got thousands upon thousands that will lay down their lives in the same manner and watch what can be produced as the seed of love is sown into this earth. No greater love but one that will lay down Remember we were talking about love and talking about love and talking about love and all of a sudden in talking about love we, we were saying this that we have to count other people higher than we count ourselves. Right? In other words, things that I think are important I need to, you know, in my own personal selfish kind of thinking way I need to put those down as compared to what other people think are important. 
Listen to this. Sometimes, and, and this is not saying that the truth is not more important, but I've had people uh, be in conversations with them and they put God down. Right? Let me back up. We're going to come back to that one. Before I do that, how about this? How about, how about if Jeff thinks that, um, uh, I don't know, let's say that Jeff thinks that his wife's cooking is the best thing on earth, and I think that my wife's cooking is the best thing on earth. So we'll just let Tara and Nicole go in the room and scrap. But no, no. I'll, all right. So, uh, uh, no, here's what will happen. What if he says, and he's out there bragging on it, right? And he's like, hey, my wife's cooking is the best. You know, and I'm thinking in my head, no, 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 no. My wife's cooking is the best. What does love do in that situation? All right. Are they pretty much equal things in our lives, what we think? But love says, I will make mine lower so that I can get in love. Why? Because I don't really care about mine as much as I care about the love of God entering his life. And so if I sit here and I fight with Jeff, then, and ours are both just as important to each other, and man, it can literally, lit, smaller things have caused people to die because they didn't get in love. But if I understand love, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, you know what? And he, let's say that Jeff is bragging, my wife's is the best. And what my flesh wants to do is go, no, my wife's is the best. But instead of doing that because I'm in love, I just be quiet. Oh, yeah? Really? Cool. I'm kind of telling you all my tricks. If I ever do like, oh, yeah, really interesting, cool. I'm, I might be getting in love right then, just so you know. All right. So, oh yeah, that's interesting. Smile. So, I. Here's the thing. What's more important? What am I doing? Am I causing? Am I trying to find a place to cause our heads to butt, or am I offering him love so that we can talk about something that's much more important, that we can remain friends? Well, how about this? I've been in conversations before and somebody say something about God. And I know, and it's wrong, and it's off. I mean, uh, well, that doesn't line up with Scripture. Well, I think, here's the thing. Do I think that my opinion is more important than his opinion? I may be right. But to him, he doesn't care about right. He's just looking at, it's your opinion versus mine. I've had times, and I do it quite often because there's a whole bunch of people that don't know that word. And they say, they say all kinds of things that are wrong and off and bad. And I have to be quiet so that I can love on them so that later on I can show them the root of that love. The man, Jesus. It doesn't mean that I'm rolling over on what I think. All it's saying is, that guy right there, I'm, I would be throwing pearls before somebody who don't care about them. And I recognize that, and God said, don't do that. So I just keep loving on them until they turn from somebody who would, who would uh, trample on pearls to somebody who would accept them and take them in and honor and value them. But until they get to that place, and it generally is like this. It generally goes like this down the timeline. I think this, 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 I think this. Brian, what do you think about this? That's generally the, the switching point. When they're just giving you all this stuff, they don't care what you think. They don't care if it's wrong or right. They're prideful in their opinion. But when they get to the place and they start going, what do you think? Now, that just opened up the door and they've not, they're not that, that swine that would trample the pearls anymore. They're somebody who's hungering for the truth. The Holy Spirit has opened them up and opened up their heart. And what got them from this place to that place generally so that they will trust what you're saying and actually want to know what you're saying is love. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. In other words, my wife's cooking is important to me, Jeff, doggone it. 
but I'm willing to lay that down for people so that they can be my friends. The Word of God is very important to me, but I'm willing to bide my time and love on you until you're able to accept it. Verse 14, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. So right there, he's kind of turning it on them and he's saying, all right, if you're my friends, lay down your life for me. Love is, the definition of love is unconditional giving in obedience to the Lord. Unconditional giving in obedience to the Lord. That's what love is. Now that we know what love is, when we come back, we'll get into verse 7 and 8 again and look at those five places where it says love and understand really what it means. If you want to challenge yourself and get into it, go ahead and read the rest of 1 John 4 with knowledge of that love and, and just digest it over the next couple weeks until we come back. Amen? Amen. Does anybody, uh, first of all, does anybody have any questions about any of that? Or something along those lines? Yes, ma'am. Here you go. Um, when you were talking earlier about just listening and yeah. obeying and doing what pulls you, how do you, I guess, when did you realize it wasn't just like your conscience? Right. Leaning you one way or another, and it was really the Holy Spirit leaning you. Like, yep. your own opinions versus what needs to be done. Amen. Great question. Because if you're going to be commanded by God, you need to be led by God or you need to hear from God. One of the first things to recognize is I, I have found in my experience what most people call their conscience is the Holy Spirit. You know, it really was the Holy Spirit. Or, or they call their gut. You know, my gut's telling me to do this. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody right now should go out and say, well, I'm just listening to my gut or I'm listening to my conscience. When you're growing in this, the, and, and even after you grow in this, the, one of the best things that you can do is there's wisdom in many counselors, many godly counselors, that is. And so there's, God has set up an order and a body, a structure that's designed to help you figure that out. And so what you do is you say, you recognize, you take note. What's my conscience telling me? What's my gut telling me? What, what am I thinking? And then you take all of that to a shepherd, you know, to me or Nicole at this point. You take all of that to a shepherd who's anointed by God to help you figure that out and figure out, oh, that was God. And then you know what that feels like, you know. Now, there's a whole series on, to teach on how to be led, but those are just some of the basics there. God will give you peace. And there, let, me, let me tell you this piece of it. Um, Brother Hagen used to describe it like this. He would say it's kind of like a go signal or a stop sign inside of me, right? Or it would kind of be like that warm and fuzzy, you know, but in my spirit, not really in my head. It was different. It's like on the inside of me. I just... I felt right about it, or I had checks on it, you know. Um, and so a lot of times, and look for that and pay attention to that. But I would say don't just step out on that if you're brand new to it. Take it to somebody who's ordained by God to help you figure that stuff out. And even when you do figure it out, uh, for example, one, this was not too long ago, a year or two ago, I had a situation, I think it was a year ago, I had a situation, I knew what was right. I knew the right answer, I believed. And, um, but inside of me, before I made the decision and went with it, I knew about the structure of God and somebody anointed to help me, right? And so I went, I'm going to call my pastor, right? Well, I know how to be led by God pretty much. I, I don't miss it a whole lot, but I do miss it some. But, and I knew I already had discerned this and it was, you know, I felt really strong, this is the way I should go, right? But 
there's an anointing there in that structure. And when we submit ourselves to people that are, be, that are loving people, they are unconditionally giving under the obedience to the Lord. If you find people like that, especially when God has placed you in the body, you know, with them, man, that can, you can go to them with a question and all of a sudden it opens up. So communication is a big key. Here's what happened. I went to my pastor and the decision was correct and it would have produced like 100%, right? But in two minutes, because I went to my pastor, that submission to him, that communication to him, it started because I was moving in love. It started almost like a spiritual uh, production of power and wisdom inside of him. When I went to him, it engaged that anointing that he had for me. In two minutes, he asked me a question. He said, why don't you do this also? And gave me one little extra thing, didn't cost me a thing, and my production went from being 100% to 150% in two minutes because I because just used that and utilized it. It's very important. So, Amen. Great question. Any other questions? Okay. Um, you sure? Anybody got one more? All right. Last chance. Sold. All right, good. Uh, does anybody need does anybody need prayer for anything whatsoever? Because when you preach on something like the love of God, really you preach on anything because that is the love of God. God moves to confirm his word. He he likes confirming his word by moving in power in you. Does anybody need prayer for anything? Anyone? Yeah? Well, come on up. What you want? Well, it's for family. Family, okay. Yeah. All right. I talked to a niece the other yeah. day, and she's falling away. Sorry. Okay. I gave her some tough love because I've already poked her a little bit along the way. And then she also gave me more news about another niece. Okay. So you want the Lord to move in your family mm-hmm. and him to bless them? Yeah. Okay. All right. You want to come on up here? Father, we just thank you right now. We thank you, Lord, for Priscilla's family. Lord, let these nieces be blessed in Jesus' name. Father, thank you. Lord, shine the light in those lives. Let them see the truth of your word. Father, we praise you for that and we thank you for that. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Blessing of God be in those lives. Lord, we just pray that their eyes of understanding will be enlightened and then that they will be strengthened with all might to make the decisions that you have for them, Father. Thank you for your power and your glory manifesting, your love manifesting in their lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else have anything they need prayer for? Anything? Healing, provision, protection, deliverance, wisdom, any of it. Anybody? All right. Well, Father, we just thank you for your love. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, let us be open containers of your love, filled and pouring out at a moment's notice for you. Lord, let us walk in your love. Let us dish out your love. Let us be the distribution centers of your love, Lord. Lord, let us know your love. Let us understand it. Let us get a hold of it even more. Let us have revelation of who you are. Let us get to know you so that we can abide with you more and more and more. 
Father, thank You for Your love made manifest. We praise You for it and thank You for it, Father. Let us love one another and lay down our lives for people in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. Have a great night.